That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Move over, Andrew. The Big Six is back as Manchester United claimed a 1-0 win on the road at Wembley against Tottenham this Sunday. Arsenal fell earlier in the weekend to West Ham 1-0 at the Olympic Stadium before Liverpool, Chelsea and Manchester City all secured wins of their own. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Andrew is off tonight. Javier, how you doing, man? Doing, doing all right. Doing all right. Could have had a better weekend, but still still braved up showing up this morning. It was It was difficult. It was difficult. Yeah, you know, we've, we've realized the pattern now that it's only after you lose to one of Chelsea or Arsenal that you don't, or uh, Liverpool, that you don't show up to uh, podcasts after that. So we, we, we trust you to show up after casual losses like this. But uh, I mean, you, you started very on topic. Let's not waste any time and get straight into the uh, recaps for this weekend. Uh, West Ham won 1-0 over Arsenal on Saturday morning. Uh, Declan Rice got a goal in the 48th minute. Uh, the, I think that was at the end of extra time, or was it... Or a no, it was first the, half it was the, the beginning start of the second, second half. half, yeah. Needless to say, a really, really good performance from West Ham, who I, I think it's fair to say looked the better of the two teams, probably created uh, Definitely in the second substantial half. chances. Definitely in the second half. In the first half, Arsenal yeah. created more chances, but... Um, and we, we the, I think, you, I think Arsenal ended up having minutes, like, the better chances, but yeah, West and in the, Ham in created the first more 20 minutes, we had like four or five opportunities that we absolutely should have scored one or two goals and just put the game away. Because West Ham, I mean, they had one goal in them, really, maybe a second, but it's really defensively where I was most impressed by them. In the second half, they just, once they got the lead, they just shut down and sat back and defended, and we really did not create much. I think it it, it was pretty telling once Ramsey came on that we just, we really missed that creative hub in the midfield. And defensively, it was just, again, an error. Um, Mustafi and Xhaka at fault. The, the main culprits of almost every Arsenal error are those two. So, obviously, Emery, that's what he's been given to work with. We have nothing else to work with. Um, you know, he's being forced to play these players, and I'm guessing he doesn't really like them. And, I mean, it, it, the the Granite Xhaka one, I'm... I'm I, I don't know what, which which way to go on him, and I've, I've flip-flopped a few times where I thought he's looked good, I thought he's looked bad... Um, but I think in the end he's just not good enough. I think we need to find someone else, and he's a he's a player that I wouldn't mind on the bench as someone maybe to bring on to control possession at the end of games or to play against bad teams. Maybe he can start, but I, he can't be our, our starting midfielder. Um, and same thing with Mustafi. Mustafi, he might be a good backup center back, but he can't be your starting center back every game because the guy's got errors in him every other game, and it's cost us so many points at this point it's 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 disappointing obviously especially when this was supposed to be a weekend that you know we we gain points on on either united, united or tottenham but yeah now we're level on points with united and the the, the points, future looks uncertain for us right now you know because this has been a pretty bad run of form 
December came in January, and yeah, I don't know. You're saying November came in December. November came in December <laughs> slash January. Yeah, I mean, the bad run of form came now, and three losses in Arsenal's last six Premier League games. Uh, not a very good run of form at all. Uh, the, the burning question that came out of this West Ham game for me actually wasn't about the defense. I think West Ham have earned the honor of saying that you, you expect to concede when you go and visit West Ham. Like they have enough attacking quality, especially with Arnautovic back and uh, Felipe Anderson playing so well, that it, it wouldn't be super surprising to most of the top six teams if you said to them, uh, you're, you're probably going to concede today. You just have to score two or three to win. So I'm going to I'm going to put a lot of the blame on Arsenal's midfield and forward line. Uh, your boy Aubameyang, who you insist should be in the team of the year, was once again not I want to say completely uh invisible, but he missed two or three chances yeah, he, that he should he, be he, missed he should a be putting one of those away. And in the second half he he did not do much, but he really didn't get much service either. It, 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 well, that's I, the burning question I wanted to bring up was the fact that there's you mentioned without the the creative midfield hub, uh, you guys look pretty bad. But Aaron Ramsey's obviously uh, highly rumored to be leaving at the end of the year on a free transfer, so he's not going to be an option after this season. Is there anyone any way that you guys think you could like rejig your lineup or your, I mean, your, we're your absolutely formation or something that signs you could a big, get a better a big connection between the forward and defensive lines? We're definitely gonna use that money to replace Ramsey. What money? I'm saying the wages that would have been given to him are going to be given to a very good player to replace him. I mean, Ramsey was a big player in the team. He was a huge part of of what Fenger wanted to do at the club. And I think moving him on will be a big part of changing the identity of the team. I think right now the the team is is still stuck in in between, you know, Fenger's team and Emery's team. And you can see that the players that Emery has has brought in and the players that he has put faith in, most of them have done pretty well in his system. But it's a lot of the older players who, you know, have been there a while, who were good under Wenger or who Wenger kept a long time. The Wengerites. Time. The Wengerites, as I call them. Um, they're bringing the team down. You're doing their usual underperformance. And, yeah, there's just a lot of work that still needs to be done, a lot of changes. I mean... I'm still happy with the progress of the club this year. I mean, obviously I want us to either get top four or to win the Europa League, and it's still very early days. I'm not going to say, like, we're not going to make top four or we're not going to make win Europa at this point. So I think it's always great to have that backup plan of Europa to get that Champions League. And looking looking forward to this Chelsea game coming up, that's, that's really going to be everything for us in the league. If we can't beat Chelsea at the Emirates... And yeah, we don't deserve to make top four, you know. So th- this game was was a game we had to win, and we didn't. We have one more chance now to, to do something like that, and if not, then let's uh, let's focus on Europa and uh, you know just just try and stay afloat in the league. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the ten a.m. games. The first of which was uh, Brighton hosting Liverpool. Uh, Mohamed Salah scored in the fiftieth minute off a penalty to give Liverpool the one nil win, keeping their four point advantage over Manchester City at the top of the table. First, we're going to kick it out to Andrew to hear his thoughts on the game. Hey guys, what's up? It's Andrew. I'm going to be probably off the pod next couple of weeks with uh, Alex and Javier. Unfortunately, just with a little bit of a wild work schedule, obviously right in the thick of it with the NFL playoffs, just things are in the way of our regularly rescheduled uh, recording time. But you know, show goes on. Alex and Javier will um, step up to the plate for me. I really appreciate that as always. But just wanted to throw a quick uh, couple thoughts on Liverpool's one nil victory over Brighton, which wasn't the um, 
it's kind of back to those those grittier days that we were seeing earlier in the season from Liverpool. Uh, I thought Salah had a great game. I'm not worried about this whole, did he go down too soft? This one was definitely a penalty without a, without a doubt. Um, Brighton played a very physical game all day long and are found Liverpool left and right. And, I mean, look, like they got a result at Brighton. They won at Brighton for, which is, they won at Brighton, kept a clean sheet. It's like the first time it's happened against Brighton since March of last season. And they did it with Fabinho in center of defense, which was obviously a move that they had to make in the pinch for the next couple weeks until Joe Gomez and Joel Matip returned from their injuries. It sounds like Joe Gomez could be back in time for the Crystal Palace game this coming weekend, but we'll see. That's nothing definitive. I would really like to have Fabinho back in midfield for that game where he could influence the game on his best level. But again, a great performance from Van Dyke, a great performance from Andy Robertson. They got the job done. Uh, Salah dropped all over the place, kind of had this interesting role where he was allowed to do literally whatever he wanted. There were there were times where he was picking up the ball behind the midfield line, which I was like, this isn't really where I want him to take the ball, but he was taking on everybody from Brighton. And, you know, obviously it's a penalty. They don't score from open play, but fair credit to Brighton. They made this this challenging, but I felt like they, had a, they were missing a couple pieces um, offensively that they really weren't challenging Liverpool in terms of like making definitive goal scoring chances so still think this is a fair result for Liverpool at most Brighton maybe deserved a draw but the title uh, the title race marches on they look good this is you know I saw it on the internet this is a game two years ago or even last year Liverpool don't win and that's definitely true and I mean it's you know it's now mid-January they're still only on one loss. They're seven points clear as of right now. Manchester City still have to play Wolves uh, when I'm recording this. Odds on money, it'll probably be a four-point lead, but whatever whatever happens, happens. But yeah, uh, they look good. Klopp didn't use a ton of uh, didn't have to use a ton of changes, and honestly, not being out of, and being out of the FA Cup means that they're going to be off next weekend, or not this coming weekend, but the weekend after, which is going to give them a ton of time to rest, recharge which they desperately need, and push on for Champions League contention, and push on for or push on for their Champions League tie against Bayern and then push on for the champ for the Premier League so I'm I'm happy with the result I would have liked the passes to be a little the, they were close they, they were making opportunity to score against Brighton and, and they just never got on the same page not worried very confident this is uh the next couple games are big for Liverpool they really only they only have three big matches left against the top six and that's Manchester United away Tottenham at home and Chelsea at home. So things are looking good right now. Next couple matches are against some of the, the you know middle of the table teams. You got Crystal Palace, you got Leicester, you got West Ham, you got Bournemouth, and then they go and they have to play Bayern Munich. So these next couple weeks should see Liverpool get everything done that they need to get done. And this is where if if they're gonna you know if something's gonna happen, it's probably gonna happen over the next couple weeks. But the way the defense is playing, I'm not worried, and they're gonna get Joe Gomez back. Slight concern about Trent Alexander-Arnold who did have to take painkillers going into this game so or in the middle of this game so that's something to watch out for especially now that they put Nathaniel Klein out on loan at Bournemouth which like I said I wasn't a fan of but I turn it back over to the guys who will continue to break down the weekend and uh, Javier will continue to spin zone about why he's not worried about Manchester United taking over Arsenal's fifth spot so back to the guys and our regular scheduled program follow us on Twitter at Andrew Pissarro at ASMOS92 at Ghost Goal Pod and Javier Rev9 on Instagram we have a five-star review on iTunes por favor and now it's back to the guys this was just one of those games that Liverpool you'd think would draw or lose in the past. I know Brighton didn't score, but they certainly threatened at times. I was yeah, optimistic I for them while for watching this game. This game. I, I knew it was going to be, a, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a close game. I mean, Brighton have been excellent at home versus pretty much everyone that's gone there. So uh, 
it's, it's Liverpool beat them twice, one nil this season, and like you said, in previous seasons they probably would have drawn or lost at least one of those games. So it's it's impressive. I I, I think Liverpool are going to win the title. I don't know. It's I I did say before I did, it is up to what happens in Champions League in February. I'm not going to obviously crown them before then, but if they just go out and, and blow out Bayern, they're winning the league. So I, I think it, I think they're going to keep winning in the Premier League until then. Yeah, the interesting wrinkle for this one that I th- was a point of interest going into the game when I saw the lineups was that Fabinho was played at center back next to Van Dyke. And uh, while Liverpool did concede maybe a few more chances than you'd normally be used to, uh, he didn't really look out of place. Like there were there weren't like uh, moment after moment of Liverpool being like penned back in and then Fabinho struggling to to clear his lines. He looked right at home, and with Liverpool usually having most of possession, he was able to move up into midfield and become another uh, midfielder, which led to an extra man in attack. Yeah, that's so, that's really scary that they have someone as versatile as that who can play, you know, in the midfield, in center back, in right back, and, and right back, yeah, look very good. That's you know, that's just another Swiss Army knife guy that they have now, and 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 yeah, it's it's Klopp signings have been fantastic. I mean, can you? Can you? We we were talking about this earlier. Can you name one signing from Klopp that's been like a complete bust? No, I can't think of. I can't. I I actually couldn't. I'm I'm struggling to think of ones that like haven't been amazing. He did he sign (laughs) Lalana? No, right? He did. No, no, no. No, That was before. Yeah, that was before. So, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure every player he's brought to the club has like improved the club, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, that's like a. That's an incredible thing in and out of itself. And Klopp, Klopp won Manager of the Month uh, last month. I think well-deserved. I mean, they had a super hard slate of games, and we were saying, like, Liverpool have got to drop some points during these games, and they did. They they lost the City. But other than that, they've been absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, it's 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 difficult to see them dropping many more points this season. I don't yeah, know. Uh, and also, they don't have Joe many Gomez difficult games just left. just announced they have, recently the, the, to be coming back. three big soon. six games left, and two of them are at home. So, like... They really don't have that many difficult games left this year. I think City have got a much harder like second half of the season than Liverpool do. City also have uh, three games against top six sides, and I think or four games against top six sides, and three of those are at home. So they have like a similarly easy similarly schedule. Easy, like top. But like six you said, it's just okay. we'll see how the uh, the, the European uh, forays affect them. Uh, let's move on to Burnley hosting Fulham. They got a 2-1 win. Goals from uh, Andre Scherler for Fulham to open the scoring in the second minute. Uh, before two own goals from Joe Bryan in the 20th minute and Dennis O'Doy in the 23rd minute gave Burnley the victory. Uh, I got this score prediction correct. Next up was Cardiff getting a 0-0 draw with Huddersfield. The main headline coming out of this game was just dropped earlier today when David Wagner decided by mutual consent to leave Huddersfield after three and a half years. It wasn't a sacking. Uh, the way we understand it, the chairman came out and said that he asked to uh, leave by mutual consent, just saying that he needs a break from the rigors of football management were his words. He doesn't uh, want to be he, uh, he knows that the ship's done and he doesn't want to be associated with having brought Huddersfield back down. He's, yeah, he's I pretty guess. much just like cementing his legacy for the club as, you know, one of their greatest managers ever. Yeah, I, I think there's no saving them at this point. I I think he saw the the light at the end of the tunnel, and I, I just I don't know what 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 they what a new manager could do here. Um, I don't think they have much money they can spend in January, and I don't think another manager can come in and like elevate this team to play better. 
I don't I, I, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it started really well for him there, where uh, it was obviously a big deal for a championship club like them to be getting uh, Jurgen Klopp's right-hand man at, at Borussia Dortmund. So uh, he had them playing rock and roll football or heavy metal football, as the announcers say, say uh, for the first season where they were attacking and exciting. They come up to the Premier League and they, they have a promising start to their first season uh, since promotion, but... Since then, the, their forms dropped off a cliff. They barely survived last season, and uh, this season they haven't fared much better. Uh, I mean, in two seasons since coming into the Premier League, he's got 11 wins, 15 draws, and 34 losses. 19 losses in the first season. Yeah, I was going to say last year they were much season. better so, than they like were you this said, year. the writing's on the wall for Huddersfield. Right. Well, because of that bright start, they went like their first three games winning every single one. They didn't drop off too much over Christmas. It was just in the the run in. Uh, in the second half of the season, that their, their form dropped off a cliff, and they couldn't they couldn't buy a win. So, uh, I feel okay for David Wagner's career. I, I was thinking today, like, what if he went to Hoffenheim and took over for? I'm Julian sure he'll, he'll get good job season. offers. Like, that would be a move that teams, makes like, a lot of because sense. of especially because of the especially way that, Germany. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he said he wants to take a break for a while, so maybe 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 he won't be back till um, you know another year or something. I don't know, but. It's uh, it seems like he knows what he's doing, and he's getting out here before the the going gets too rough. Yep, I have Huddersfield in my bottom three. Uh, I, I don't really see the bottom three changing much the rest of the season. Uh, Newcastle are down there; I expect them to get out. But Fulham, Huddersfield, and I think Cardiff are going to be the three clubs that end up going down. Uh, Cardiff also getting the nil nil draw in this game, but uh, not much to add. Moving on, Crystal Palace lost at home after taking an early lead through a Craig Cathcart own goal for Watford. But for the same player, equalized for Watford in the 67th minute, and Thomas Cleverley's amazing volley in the 74th minute sealed the 2-1 win for Watford. Andrew got this score prediction right. Next up, Southampton traveled to Leicester City and got a 2-1 win. James Ward-Prowse opened the scoring for the Saints in the 11th minute with a penalty. Shane Long then made it 2-0 just before halftime before Wilfred and Didi scored in the 58th minute to make things a little tight for the last 30 minutes of the game. Jan Valery saw a second yellow card in the 45th minute that made it a little bit of a rough sledding for Southampton for the last uh, half of this game. Javier? This this makes me feel better about the result that obviously Arsenal lost, but they've now gotten good results against Chelsea and Leicester, you know, two good teams, and they just did it away from home here. Talk so about Southampton, I'm, right? I'm optimistic that they're going to take points off you know possibly Tottenham and United later in the season so but I I I think they they really benefited from that new manager bump you know they looked terrible under Hughes and they're they look like a relatively safe side from relegation I mean they're still obviously in the relegation slog but with results like this you you can't see them being near the relegation zone at the end of the season now right which is pretty crazy to think considering how dire they were those first, like, you know, 13 or 14 games. Yeah, I mean, any manager that can get Shane Long scoring is, uh, you know, he's doing a good job. So I'm um, glad to see Shane Long back on the score sheet. Uh, let's move on to the final game on Saturday. Chelsea won 2-1 at home against Newcastle during the 12:30 kickoff. Goals from uh, Pedro in the ninth minute before Kieran Clark equalized off a corner kick in the 40th minute and William grabbed the winner in the 57th minute. Overall, this was probably tougher than it needed to be. You could say that about a lot of games that Chelsea have had against the, quote, bottom sides this weekend, uh, this season. Uh, but I, I'm just happy 
we finally scored at home after not scoring in each of our last two home games at Stanford Bridge during the league, and uh, got 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 back in the wins pool because at this point, like we're we're going to be steadily growing into Surismo, getting better at it every single game. This is what the hope is. Hopefully, a few uh, big wins, three nil, four nil here and there. But otherwise, just, just get just get the win. That's all that counts. Especially against these teams that we've seen have relative success against Chelsea over the last month or two. Uh, these deep block teams that just ask us to create uh, something out of nothing. Uh, if we can get two or three goals in in those games, that sets us up well to uh, to score plenty more once teams open up against us. Because that's really where you see this uh, Chelsea system start to shine and flourish. Uh, did you happen to catch this game or are you busy watching? Yeah, no, I did now? watch the Some game. League. Um, I was impressed with Newcastle's organization and that they were able to stay in the game basically the entire game. But I thought Chelsea for not having a strike. I thought Eden Hazard was, was underwhelming. Um, but again, he got himself an assist, so he keeps keeps up his uh, you know goal and assist a game rate so far. And yeah, I mean, I think for you guys, I think the more realistic objective is top four as opposed to your winning Europa League. And for us, I think that's going to be the more realistic route for our, for us to get Champions League. So I think Chelsea need to keep beating teams like this and. It's going to be interesting this window if you guys go and splash the cash. It seems it, it seems like you guys definitely have the money. So I think if you guys can find a striker, a suitable striker, you would go and get him now. Um, kind of like we did with Aubameyang last January. I just who's who is that player for you? Who who would you like to see the club go and buy here in January? I mean, the players I would like to see aren't available in January, but. If we end this window with someone like Gonzalo Higuain on like an 18th month loan or something like that, and then with one of Nicolo Barella and Leandro Paredes as like a midfield signing for a little bit more midfield depth, I'd be pretty happy with that. I couldn't really complain. We've got Pulisic coming in the summer. Uh, it's three starting caliber players uh, that can rotate with the players we currently have, I think. But most importantly, being a striker, because going back to this Newcastle game, the reason Hazard struggled, I don't think struggle is even the right word. Uh, I, I just think as like a center forward, he was neutralized by Newcastle sitting so deep. I don't mind him playing there when we're playing a little in a bit more of an open game, uh, like the Watford game where uh, he, he scored twice and looked like one of the best players pressing and getting on the end of uh, counterattacks. But games like this and Southampton at home, the ones that we, it just shows we really need we really need a focal point. Giroud is still coming back from an injury. Morata was injured, and this was a uh, typical sorry game though, fit. where you know the wingers got the goals. Um, you know, yeah. it was it from was, a deep pass from uh, from David Luiz at centre back, yeah, who's now with, proving with, that he can play those just run, as consistently as Jorginho. Yeah, David Luiz is a dangerous, dangerous centre back. He puts he's he's really good at pumping those long balls over the top. Kind of like how yeah, Fabregas used to do for you guys, but now David Luiz has kind of taken up that role. And Well, Luiz, Jorginho, and Rudiger are going to be the main players tasked with doing that. So uh, we'll see if Rudiger can improve on his, uh, uh, his vision a little bit to create some more of those chances. But one last thing I'll just say about uh, Willian. I, I think a lot of people, he myself really included, well have, been, have been pretty down on Willian. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that. I think he got the winner, and that's important that he's uh, getting back on the score sheet, especially with an important goal this time, because I've mentioned in the in the past that his two goals in the league earlier were both in 3-1 or 4-1 blowouts. 
So uh, him getting back on the score sheet with an important goal is uh, definitely big. It'd, it'd be pretty uh, crazy. A, a there moment. was rumors that like you guys turned down a fifty million pound bid for him again this January. Do, do you buy that? It was it was Malcolm plus like like twenty million oh, okay. to make the value that, up to fifty million. If, if they bid that and you guys said no, like <laughs> you guys are nuts. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I can see why the board would think getting rid of a, an established 30-year-old player and bringing in a diamond in the rough in Malcolm and getting him acclimated to the league within six months. I can see why the board would think that would be kind of a, a, a risk. Yeah, I mean, it and, might be a risk, a risk if you don't get top, top four, four, for sure. But it's a worthy risk, I think. Malcolm's a really talented player. I, I don't even know if the, the rumors I would, are I would true. rather bring him in now and get him integrated these next six months to get him going for next year and... Get William out um, and start getting you know a new player used to the system, but you know because Chelsea fans seem to be all fed up with William, and there seem to be very few defending him out there right now. So, yeah, so William could have had a hat trick in this game. He had two one-on-one chances that he just either put straight at the keeper or missed wide, including a chance right after the uh, Newcastle equalized. Uh, like immediately, like the the television angles were still showing the Newcastle goal, still showing the clear Kieran Clark header, and then when they quickly cut back to the game, William was in behind and put it wide. So I felt like he owed us that winner. So I'm not going to start getting on getting on my knees and saying I'm sorry, William, just yet. He needs to keep this up and keep scoring big goals. But let's move on to the Sunday slate of games. Everton got a 2-0 win over Bournemouth. Goals from uh, Kurt Zuma in the 61st minute and Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the 95th minute. See, Alex, I was right. It was a low-scoring game. You ridiculed me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I think we're going to have to throw away oh, that. Oh, hold uh, on. That, and, and, and speaking that, of ridicule, I'm sorry, Andrew, that I ridiculed you for saying that Arsenal could lose against Brighton. You you were right, <laughs> Andrew. You were right. I my team is shit against West Ham. You against mean? West Ham, yeah. My my team is shit. And hey, I, I would like an apology too. I did just I did say it. It was you said it was ridiculous to suggest that. I and did. I, was like, I know. On, that, it's not ridiculous. And, and again, that's why I'm I'm apologizing to Andrew. But I think it was ridiculous. Or you you ridiculed me for saying that this could be a low scoring game. You were like, what? Like Everton Bournemouth. It's always high scoring. Well, no, like, I think I think earlier in the season it was low scoring, like one 0 or something, but. That was a surprise, and now this is the second straight game that it's been kind of cagey and kind of one or few de- two decisions here and there that, uh, that decided the game. Uh, but yeah, Everton uh, back in the win column. Bournemouth uh, going through a tough slate of games right now. We'll see if they can bounce back next week. I, I, I actually think it's really impressive how organized Everton is defensively. I know they're not doing that well on the table, and results-wise they haven't had that many good results, especially against the top six. They've only gotten one point against the top six this year, so it's it's pretty dreadful. But for for it's been promising though. They almost got another point when they were at Liverpool. Yeah, but uh, but know? outside of that, they they look pretty good, and I think they're closer than they've the, uh, since since basically Moyes was at Everton. I think this is the best Everton have been. I just think the league yeah, is a I'm lot not, more difficult with... now. Yeah, sure. Uh, an interesting point that I saw written a few weeks ago was that Idrissa Gay is basically the key to Everton's defense because that week where they conceded something like 12 goals to City and Tottenham in one week, Idrissa Gay was injured for both of those games. And you saw their defense just completely capitulate and fall apart. But he's back. He's playing well. He was one of the more uh, impressive players in the field on Sunday. But let's get to the big game of the weekend. Tottenham hosted Manchester United at Wembley. Marcus Rashford scoring in the 44th minute to get... 
Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, his first really impressive win. Uh, I should have called the, the win. I, I said here. draw, but like I had faith in United. I see it out. I uh, I just I need to be more controversial on the pod. Call say things like this. Say what I really think. You know. You're not already Jesus. <laughs> Maybe no, I gotta, don't say. I got a sense for myself a little bit, you know, because. You know, every Arsenal fans got you know, kind of like Chelsea fans. They, they've got they've got these tinted glasses on, and you gotta you gotta censor it sometimes. You can't you can't just blurt out everything that that your Arsenal fan mind says. You know, you gotta you gotta control the Arsenal fandom in you, and and not be biased. Try and be, you know, and, and that's why I actually think I have a better pulse on teams like Liverpool or United or even Chelsea because I don't have a biased point of view. It's it's harder for me to like. Look at Arsenal in. in There's no way Arsenal can lose at West Ham. There's no way Arsenal can lose at West Ham. Yeah, no, I'm serious. But I, but I, but I, but I, but I realize how. So you're saying for every team except Arsenal, you you are spot on. No, not spot on. on I just I think for teams Arsenal, you no teams that I watch right. So like I watch the big six teams and. I, I, I feel like I have a better understanding of all the other teams than I have of Arsenal. I don't know if that's like... Why are you taking us down this road while, uh, well, while we're supposed to be well, talking I'm about United because, because with United, it, it, it does feel like the magic's back. It feels like... Really? Yes. It, you don't listen, think Tottenham threw that game away? No. And I, 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 as amazing as David De Gea was, I, Tottenham I, I, did not have their shooting boots. Uh, yes, you, like, you're they serious. Not, they didn't they score three finished. times in that game. That, like I could think of three chances in the second half that like Tottenham 100 should have put away. Never mind like first half where Kane gets called offside. Son, I think misses a chance one v one. It's it's. I don't want to say I feel bad for Spurs because I never feel bad for Spurs. <laughs> but uh, if they had just been even like half the team that showed up against Chelsea in that Wembley game, they score at least two or three in that so, game. So I think this is like a little bit, I don't know if this is a ridiculous theory, but I, this has been my thought with United ever since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came back or came to the club as the manager is, I think he brings something that they haven't had since Ferguson left, which is just that that pride and that love for, for being at Manchester United. I think all the other managers who were there, maybe Moyes, Moyes was happy to be there, but how can we? How can we really? Just listen. Just listen. How is there? How can we define that? You know, like in this it's, game, it's, it's not really a definable thing. It's not really game. a definable thing. But I think, especially at Old Trafford, there's there was always a magical aura for like for like almost two decades, where every time you went there, you just you never thought United were going to lose, even if they were losing or like tied or losing. You know, you always thought they were going to get a goal back to either get a draw or a win, and it, it, there was something kind of you know mystical about it, and it does feel like a little like that's back a little bit. It, and and it, they did mention it in the commentary, saying that Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, has been advising Alexander Solskjaer behind the scenes. He's been a lot more involved, and I feel like maybe he took the reins a little bit after Mourinho left. I, I'm I'm not saying like. You know, fully Ole involved Solskjaer, or coaching or anything, vassal. but I'm saying, you know, maybe he's helping out. You know, bring this this team back to where it should be, and it seems like now the players, everybody around the club, they have this mentality of, you know, we love playing for Manchester United. We're at the biggest club in the world, and let's show everybody why we're here. And I think before that, that just 
that's not what was on the players' minds. I think before, like Mourinho was, it was Mourinho. It was what he, you know, his orders, what he wanted them to do. Should I play this way or that way? Am I going to get, you know, benched if I don't play the way Mourinho wants me to play? I think all of those worries are just gone, and the the players have been freed. And I think that shows here. I I I can't give him more credit to United getting a clean sheet here. I know you're saying like Tottenham threw the game away, but. You, you were still saying, you know, when Oligar Shasha came in, like, okay, well, the defense is still horrible. And and I wanted to, you know, I, I thought to myself, like, you know, they're just going to start scoring goals. They're going to they're going to start pinning teams back. And with that, the defense is going to is going to be shored up. And lo and behold, they've been getting clean sheets. They look good defensively. They've only conceded two goals on this run. But you can't say they look good defensively in this game. I mean, despite the clean sheet. They they got the clean sheet. I, I, I actually I disagree. I, I'm not I trying thought, to say that United that had a, a bad lot of their players put in a really you good. You got to look at the chances, shift. Javier. Look at the chances. Harry Kane has they were they were three three easy goals for him. They were good chances. They were good chances, but all of them were at. Dude, David I challenge Gea. you to go back and look. at Almost those all of them were at David De Gea. That, that's what I'm saying. Their their finishing was not good. They screwed it up. Okay, but like that that. But what, like, what more can you say about finishing other than that they put it straight at De Gea a million times? There were one or two that De Gea made unbelievable saves on, including uh, Toby Alderweireld's one that he blocked off the line with his his left foot. But it, it just comes down to putting it in the back of the net sometimes. And this, I think this is, I'm just going to default to the Tottenham DNA thing, but Tottenham just seemed to hit a wall where you you, you think they're doing well and they're, every time I expect them to continue on a good vein of form, they screw it up. Every time I expect them to be down and out, like when they were uh, six points off of Champions League qualification uh, in the in their group earlier this this year and came back and ended up going through instead of Inter, I thought they were down and out for that, for that uh, qualification, and they still managed to get it. And now I start to give them a little bit of trust and belief, and not only do they create a bunch of chances – they put every single one of them almost. I honestly at think any team would have trouble with Manchester United right now, like Liverpool, City. I, I really do. I, I think that attacking wise, well, that Liverpool game is coming up. Attacking wise, they are absolutely lethal on the counter attack. I mean, they they had some in the first half, especially they had some freak counter attacks where, like, in a second or two, they were suddenly you know forty fifty yards down the field and were were pressing at Tottenham's back line and. If they had had some better finishing or a little bit better decision making, like United could have been up two or three goals in the first half. Ling- yeah, the, Lingard, the two two. Lingard had the a one v one that he missed. I'm sorry. The two two you picked was I, I could have seen that being the final score. Yeah, it so could have. It could have. I mean, I mean there should have been more United, goals in this game. Chances. But I think it's impressive that United number one kept a clean sheet and two are able to win away from home like this. I, I just I think everything's rolling for them. I think that. They're now in a decent position to make top four, and it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I, think, I, th- I think it's going to be go, you know go down to the wire. I think it's going to be you know the last game, the game of the season. It's going to be like Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. Uh, you know, all so of them. Let are, me third out. and fourth are not going to be decided till the end. Maybe third might be that. Maybe we'll we'll see the third team pull away. But I think for a while it's going to be a four horse race for those last two slots. Yeah, Tottenham now only one point ahead of Chelsea, uh, in, uh, sitting in third place. Uh, seven points above Arsenal and Manchester United, who are in fifth and sixth. I think it's fair to say that the claim Andrew made earlier this season about it no longer being a big six is now wrong. I think United are, uh, I think they're eight or nine points ahead of Watford, who were the next team in seventh place. So there's a pretty big gap opening yeah, up between the they're, top six Yeah, they're again. definitely not 
going to be out of those top six spots this year. I can't see that happening at all. And I mean, so I was going to say one more one more bananas peel that you could uh, you could throw in United season. I'm not saying I necessarily believe this because I, I do think they have a, a real uh, challenge for top four in their hands. But now that they're back into the the consideration for top four, whereas a month ago people were completely dismissing them, saying, "Okay, they're out of it. The other top five teams are playing too well." Now United are back into the consideration. What? Do you think there's any effect of the game sort of increasing in like intensity and and like basically meaning more now that United are in the position that they like what if they what if they get like one point away and it's like a ten games left? Do you think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is still playing the super attacking uh, football that may leave them open defensively, or do you think? I mean, he I, I think I think you saw this system? game. This game was a perfect example that like they don't they didn't need to play that like gun ho style that they were playing in the first five games. They, they sat back and played on the counter and looked extremely dangerous, especially in that first half. I mean, it, those were lethal, lethal counterattacks that with those three players, Martial, uh, Lingard, and Rashford, Rashford. You, you, it's almost impossible to defend against those runs against the center backs. And I'm... I'm and the frequency of those runs was much better, and, where you saw them looking right, to get they, in behind exactly. a lot more And the often. thing is, is uh, I, I thought Her- Her- Herrera was super impressive, too. Um, I thought that slipped he, with the Herrera. It's <laughs> Hector, yeah. Herrera. Herrera. Herrera is how you say his name. But uh, I thought he was super impressive. Um, I thought this was one of the best games I've seen him play in a United shirt. And I, I don't know. I think if, if he has the... Matic played pretty well. I thought... Pogba played well. The, the whole team seems to be playing well. And players that I thought were useless well, for Manchester United yes. over the last year suddenly are, are you know, playing out of their minds. Or maybe this is just how they always should have played. And it's 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 a scary thing. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, scared that they're back. Especially, you know, once Alexis is fit. You know, Rom is fully back integrated into the team. They they have so many options. I you know it's it's they're they're, they're going to buy defenders. They're going to get it right sooner rather than later. So it's it's not good for the rest of the league to to see United coming back like this. But I I, I really think they're back. Yeah, I'm not going to completely challenge you on that. But uh, I'm interested to see how I think their next two home games are cupcakes. Whatever. Let's move on to Manchester City's game today. Monday at 3 p.m., they beat Wolves 3-0 at the Etihad. Gabriel Jesus opened the scoring in the 10th minute from a well-drilled Leroy Sané cross before uh, getting the second himself off a penalty in the 39th minute. Uh, Willie Bowley was sent off in the 19th minute uh, for a terrible tackle on Bernardo Silva, uh, and the game was capped off by a Connor Cody own goal in the 78th minute. I only really watched the first half of this. It it only really took two Man City goals and a sending off for Wolves for me to really be deterred from watching the rest of this game. Also, I had other things to do, but um, a pretty impressive result for Man City to keep pace with Liverpool at the top and uh, continue their good form for midweek when they beat uh, who was it they beat? Barnett 9-0 in the semifinal of the Carabao Cup. So uh, it's when cities start to get on these runs, even against lesser opposition, where they're scoring boatloads of goals and barely conceding any chances and not conceding any goals, that 
I start to feel pretty confident about uh, them getting back into the title race, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really backing down from my Man City to win the league pick. It's not that I don't believe in Liverpool, even with what we talked about going for them earlier uh, in the pod. I just, I could see Manchester City going on some crazy run in the second half of that this season, especially with Jesus back and scoring goals consistently. Uh, they haven't had Aguero for the last week or two in any of their Carabao Cup or uh, FA Cup games, and. Jesus has stepped in and performed admirably like in in his stead. So what did you think of Man City's performance in this game? Or did you sort of like discard it since once the red card was handed out? I mean, they were already up 1-0, so it was impressive. I, I, again, I thought Wolves were, were quite impressive, even though they got a red card to keep City to three goals. Um, and they didn't really concede that many good chances. A lot of City's chances were like half chances, and their third goal was a, an own goal, a deflection. So... I was impressed with Wolves again. Um, I thought that they were, yeah, they're the real deal. They're if they keep reinforcing, they'll definitely make a challenge. Um, you know, for Everton, I mean, they're already challenging those teams to to be like you know the the best team outside of the top six. But I think they're in eleventh right now. Sorry, I think they're like they're they've dropped off a bit. No, I mean it's it's because one win in that in that table in that like mini table of teams is is massive right now Everton were also in like 12th at the beginning of this um you know round of fixtures and now they're in like eighth or something because one win jumps you like eight or or four or five places because all these teams are so close together but I, I I just think for City um it's good that they have all of their attacking talent back they have all their midfielders back they have all their defenders back it's really good to have a a full team going into the second half of the season and De Bruyne came back this game again. He had another, you know, small injury. He looked really, oh, really? Uh, rusty. He was, you know, misplacing Scored passes. Scored in uh, and, midweek. You know, kind of blasting shots. But uh, I think if they, once they get Kevin playing well again, uh, this team is going to be really scary, like you said, and they, and they could go on a really good run. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with that midfield depth. I, I want to see them maybe get someone in January. If they really want to champion, like challenge for the Champions League and the league, I, I think they're going to need you know maybe one more player, uh, if not two. So it'll be interesting to see if they dip their their hand in the market this window to to push for that those titles. All right, well that wraps it up for us here at the Ghost Cold Pod. Uh, another great weekend of Premier League action. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you could go like and subscribe on iTunes, go follow us on social media at Andrew Psaro at asmoss92 at javierev9 on uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, obviously at Ghost Goal Pod. I'm Alex. Thanks again to Javier and until next time, see you.